Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Tuesday, November the 3rd of 2020. We'd like to welcome you all, our our listeners, wherever you're tuning in from. We are so honored and thankful that you could join us today in such a day like this. Today is Election Day, Tuesday of 2020. This is an election like no other, like no other. We have never, you know, we've always had differences. Every every election, everybody has their candidate. But this day, today, there's we've never seen our nation so divided because of what it's, because of what is at stake in this hour. So, if you ask what we can do in this hour, more than anything is pray and and cry out to God. And just say, God, let your will be done in this hour. The gravity of the day that we are in, the turning point that our nation finds itself in, is of a great magnitude in such an hour like this. Because it's not just the effects in the nation that's at stake, but other nations who cling, who who depend on this nation. But I believe God more than ever is speaking and I know most of us, you know, there is a, you know, there is, as human beings, we, we get fearful. But God, we know that God is in control. God is still on his throne. So I'm excited today in the sense that we're going to be discussing some things that we pray are going to benefit you, that we pray are going to bless you, that we pray are going to help you to understand the magnitude of where we are at in this time of history. So without further ado, we're going to get into the Word of God. Uh, joining us today is Brother Marty and Brother Fernando in our panel. And as always, it is a, pre- a pleasure and a privilege to be able to study the Word of God together. Brother Marty, I know our souls are bursting in this hour, and I know God wants to speak today. And so we'll yeah. leave it to you and uh, to share what I know God is showing you and, and, and speaking to your heart as we study the Word of God together today. Well, praise God. We we've uh we've been uh, exploring Paul in Athens for the last 3 weeks, but uh today uh we felt uh, the constraining of the spirit of God to to really bear down on on what's taking place in the United States for those of you that are listening outside the country bear with us. As brother Jeremy said, uh we uh we know that this uh, this US election has global implications. The whole world is watching. And we really sense that the Spirit of God wanted us to take the time and explore some things that we feel the Spirit is is leading us to discuss um, as to not only uh, the outcome of the election, but uh, what is actually uh, taking place um, on a global scale. Make no mistake about it, the powers that be, uh, the those that, that, that dwell in the shadows that actually pull the strings, of global events, global policy, whether it be spiritual policy, military policy, or financial policy. This is the great uh, contest. This is the great time. Uh, You know, we all woke up on January 1st, 2020, not anticipating where we would be today. Uh, But here we are. And what we have witnessed over the last uh, 10 months, 11 months now, headed into the 11th month, uh, is extraordinary primarily because of its implications on a global scale. This is planet-wide. This isn't 
uh, you know, a, a simple geographic location over here or over there, wherever it may be. This is global. And and as we'll get into our study today and what we're going to discuss in a much more, in a looser, more open fashion, but we're going to discuss what we see, what we think is just ahead, and what we think has been leading up to these moments to begin with. And so we will we'll read a few things that uh, our research uh, has, has dug out. And, and we pray that it'll be at least informative, if not inspiring, uh, as to uh, the times we're actually in. These are truly uh, biblically prophetic times. And so we're going to launch our discussion today from a psalm that that uh, we've discussed before. Uh, our brothers did a podcast, Brother Jeremy, Brother Fernando, over the summer, uh, touched on Psalm Psalm 2. And it's it's from there that we're going to to, uh, to launch our discussion today. So I would like, Brother Jeremy, if you wouldn't mind, uh, to turn in our Bibles to Psalm chapter 2. And if you would, uh, please read to us the very first four verses in Psalm chapter 2. And, and we pray the Lord blesses those that are listening this afternoon, this evening, or tomorrow. Much of what we will discuss uh, will have implications for the days going forward. But this is our election day special, and we pray the the Holy Spirit ministers to our hearts. And Brother Jeremy, would you read to us Psalm 2, verse 1 through 4, in Jesus' name, please, as we begin. Amen. Why do the heathen rage, and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying. Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Incredible. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in absolute confusion, derision. We want to talk to you today uh, about the coming of the Lord, uh, about the election about what we see taking place around the world. And and to do so, we're going to uh, to talk about Psalm 2. You know what's interesting, and brothers, please jump in at any time. I don't, I don't want to be hogging all this time. So if you feel inspired, just cut me off because you know me. I could talk for an hour without taking a breath. So anyway, <laughs> so what we know about the Psalms, right, is there's 150 of them, uh, but but I want us to look at it from this perspective. It's interesting to me, and not without note, that that the Psalms begin uh, in Psalm 1 uh, telling the story of, of two types of individuals. One is the blessed man, and the other are, are called or, or the ungodly or the sinners, right? And what Psalm 1 sets forth uh, uh, in, in, its, in its discussion as the psalmist wrote it, it really sets the tone for what follows, which is Psalm 2. See, Psalm 1, uh, it concludes uh, with the judgment of God. It talks about, um, you know, the righteous standing in, in, the, in the congregation of the righteous, standing on the judgment. And then subsequently, it talks about the unrighteous not being able to stand on judgment day. It talks about the separation of 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 the chaff talks about the wind of the spirit blowing away the chaff these are all very symbolic terms that that reference the separation between the sheep and the goats light from darkness god's children from from the children of, of that wicked one 
And so that's Psalm 1, and it kind of gives us this huge overview. And then uh, it, it concludes with the ultimate day of judgment, that final day. And as it concludes, then it then goes in to Psalm 2. Now, this is really interesting because over the years in studying these things and, and you know, looking at them again today, you know, there are many uh, rabbis, many rabbinic scholars. Um, they say that Psalm 1 and, and Psalm 2 uh, actually originally was one psalm, that it didn't have division. It was actually one psalm uh, divided into two parts. And whether that's correct or not, it really doesn't escape our attention that Psalm 1 speaks of the final day of judgment and Psalm 2 references the end times. And subsequently, when you read the whole psalm, the appearance of the Messiah. You know, we know that that <laughs> that, that, that the appearance of the Messiah, while the Jews are still looking for him to come, we know that he's coming again, right? So <laughs> that's really what it what it's talking about. When you get into the balance of Psalm 2, it's talking about the conclusion of all things. And really, in many ways, you can exegete, fancy word for interpret or, or take out the truths of Psalm 2 and, and literally correlate them uh, exactly to the book of Revelation, which, which, which unfolds in, in a much more grand and informative scale uh, what is revealed in Psalm 2. Psalm 2 goes on to talk about the second coming of the Lord, it talks about the Lord uh, judging the earth. It talks about the, the Lord breaking uh, in pieces like a potter's vessel all the nations of the world. It leaves a, a hunting um, declaration at the end to the kings of the earth to repent and the judges of the earth to serve the Lord with fear and trembling. And then, and then it talks about if they don't do this, their ultimate fate is to, is to perish and be done away with. So when you look at those psalms in that way, <laughs> it's quite amazing uh, because really the first part of Psalm 1 seems to give us a, a, a great overview of, of of history. You know, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, so forth and so on, and concludes with the ultimate judgment. You're either in the congregation of the righteous or you're part of the ungodly who the wind is going to drive away. Then we go right into Psalm 2, and it starts with, can you read verse 1 to us, Brother Jeremy? Yes. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? It's, so it's written in that sense, when we take the flow together, it's written in the sense of a, of a large overview, Psalm 1, and then Psalm 2 kind of goes into the specific details that are connected to the day of judgment or the end of time. And so as we have, be <laughs> we're talking about the election, believe it or not. So as we have come to this time, when you pick up the, the, the prophetic utterance of Psalm 2, it's already, uh, you know, brings us in in verse 1, what Brother Jeremy uh, talked to about the heathen raging and the people imagining a vain thing. Now, Let's break this down. Uh, it's When you read, why do the heathen rage, uh, and you actually get into the original language, it really is better written, uh, why do the na the nations, or the goyim, that's, that's the Hebrew word there, why do the, the goyim, the nations, the Gentile nations of the world, are, are raging? The word rage means to be in tumult. 
or to be in a growing sense of restlessness, kind of like, uh, you know, like a herd of, of, uh, of horses, you know, when they're all corralled and, and they're all at the gate and they're like ready to, to break out, you know, there's, there's, there's like a shivering in the herd, so to speak. That, that's kind of that, that feeling that the psalmist begins to reveal to us. But he talks about a future time, which we believe is our time, where the nations of the world begin to experience a growing sense of, of restlessness. And, and, and also, in the Hebrew, when it talks about the heathen or the nations, it has within its, its root words uh, a sense of, of conspiracy and, and a moving toward unity. That's why we see them collectively in a sense of restlessness. So what the Bible is saying here is that is that the nations will begin to come up under a, a, a the spell, really, or the influence of the devil in, in the sense that they will begin to move together and begin to experience a collective sense of restlessness. The King James puts it, the heathen raging. But really what we're witnessing here is a, is a tumult is growing. A sense of restlessness is growing. And they're moving together as one. It speaks of unity. Now we know from the book of Revelation that, that what we are told the end time will be, a, character, a characteristic of the end time will be, will be that the nations begin to move together to, to unify. Whether they understand it at first, it is a working. Remember what the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, that, that the wicked one or the Antichrist, is, his coming is after the working of Satan. And so there is, a, there is that sense that even the Apostle John talked about, there already are many Antichrists, uh, the spirit of iniquity doth already work, you know, that scriptures tell us in the New Testament. So this has been something that has been flowing throughout the historical narrative of humanity itself, culminating in the end after centuries and millennia of influence of satanic power, he moves upon the nations and, and it comes into a prophetic time. So when the psalmist uh, puts forth, why do the heathen rage? What we're literally witnessing there is what's being revealed is when we begin to see the nations themselves move in a sense of unity and, and begin to be, grow ever increasingly restless, um, it is a signal to the discerning uh, child of God that we have entered that time. Now, remember, Psalm 2 is, is giving us specific instruction and revelation as to the conditions that are going to uh, pre-exist the second coming of the Lord. And, and, and they're going to move in a collective sense against Christ and against the Father himself. So we have two components to verse one. We have the heathen or the nation moving together in a, in a growing sense of restlessness and tumult, but, but that also implies to us that they move together in a conspiracy of unity, this continual desire to move uh, away from the sense of, of nationalism into the sense of, of one planet one unified species. Why is this so dangerous? Because remember, we're talking about an election day special here we're giving you on this podcast. That is one of the primary reasons that the whole planet is paying attention to our election today. 
because the United States stands squarely in the middle of human history as the freest nation on the planet. And what we have been seeing emerging over the last several decades, really, culminating in our time and really reaching to this most critical of elections, probably the most important election that this country has faced since the days of Abraham Lincoln coming out of the Civil War. It is that important and it is not overstated, primarily and precisely because we have uh, a great uh, declaration from all quarters, whether it's it's Eastern, uh, uh, Western Europe or Eastern Europe or the far-flung uh, East, Eastern shores of China um, or, or the UN agenda itself, all of them have been preaching this blurring of the lines, this removing of nation states and the coming together collectively as one. Why the, why the election is so intense is because this government and our people have been infiltrated over several decades with political power that seeks to unify itself and, and, and allow itself to be absorbed into the collective mindset of the old world, which is now trying to repackage itself and emerge into what they call the new world order. It is why it's so important, but remember why it's so dangerous is if you go all the way back to the Tower of Babel, where we see the first move of humanity in in, in direct opposition to the command that had been given to Noah and his sons, that they go throughout the whole world and be fruitful and multiply. Instead, what we see right there in Genesis chapter 11 is a move by a single individual by the name of Nimrod, who represents the Antichrist, to build a tower that reaches to heaven and to unify humanity as one collective class of individual people. This was in direct opposition to what God had commanded, that there be nation states. And so the fact that we see ourselves moving as the planet, just like the psalmist says, the nations are moving almost in a conspiratorial sort of way to become, uh, and they've become restless because they're beginning to imagine a world that is unified. And the only thing that is standing in the way at this point in human history is this nation. And it's why the interest of, uh, of the nation states and its leaders are squarely focused on what we're doing here today. But understand this, that to move, and why it's so insidious, to move in a collective desire to become one globe, one unified system without borders, is to be in direct defiance of God's command and the celebration of the nations. It was always God's intent to make nations, to, to, to have the unique expression of humanity as he created it. Remember, I'll give you an example, symbolically speaking, and you guys jump in any time. Uh, <clears throat> Joseph, Joseph, a type of Christ, Jacob, his father, made him a coat, a coat which made his brothers jealous. But the coat was a coat of many colors. The coat represents the nations of the world or the body of Christ, if you will. Joseph, a type of Christ in those stories, made up of multitudes of colors, races, tribes, and tongues. When Paul gave his great <laughs> sermon in Athens, that's one of the premises he put forth to the uh, 
to the Stoics and the Epicureans. Would you read that to us, Brother Jeremy, in chapter 17? I said we weren't going there, but it kind of flows into what we're talking about, at least in, in this point, in Acts. Yeah. Uh, when he's speaking of God, he puts forth two things in verse 25 and then 26. Can you read that? Neither is what. Yeah. Neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life, and breath, and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation. Notice what Paul says in his sermon to the Athenians there in verse 26. He says, God took one blood. We all have one common blood, but the intent was to have nations of men. This move by the globalist of our time uh, to remove boundaries and create a one world system, in essence, is absolute defiance of the original intent and purpose of the creator himself to have individual nation states. That is why what we are witnessing today in this election is so crucial, because either way, it is where we are headed, but it is not God's purpose that we be one. We will only become one under the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why when we get going back to Psalm 2, not to jump too far ahead of ourselves, when we get to verse 2, what do they move to do? Can you, can you read that in verse 2, Brother Jeremy? It says, uh, the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. See, this is satanic, because what they are literally saying is that they, they refuse the, the instruction, the mandate of the Lord and his anointed. His anointed is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's saying they are moving to remove the edict of the creator himself. That is what they're moving to do. Whether they fully understand that or not, because many of them are, are either agnostic or atheistic, uh, whether they fully understand that or not, the, the undeniable fact is that their very thoughts are being influenced by principalities and powers and satanic will itself. Let's go back to verse 1. Again, what we are witnessing is the heathen are raging or the nations are moving towards unity. That's literally what it means and are growing in a sense of restlessness, followed by the people imagining a vain thing. So the people, uh, you know, they, they move to become one. And, and, and it's one nation, one global community. When it says that the people imagine a vain thing, the word imagine means to mutter, you know, to murmur, to mutter. But it also means, and, and, and I ain't got time to do an exhaustive Hebrew study with you guys, but, but it literally means uh, the, the word imagine also carries with it the idea of, of whispering treason amongst the nations going back and forth or plotting or devising empty or evil things. That's a handful, right? But it literally can mean that they whisper treason amongst the nations that are raging, right? That's what it's talking about. 
the collective imagination of the people is going back and forth. It has an idea of speed at the time that it's occurring amongst the people. And, and the, the result is a plotting or a devising. So it is a collective move of humanity in verse 1, which gives way to verse 2. What's, what is verse 2? Brother Jeremy, can you read that? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel again, together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying... So let's let's take a look at what what's being revealed here, and don't forget our subject today. We're talking about the election. Why we're talking about it in this way is because the Bible has revealed these times. Why we're tying it to the election is because we have literally, if you've been paying attention, reached the point where the United States is the only thing standing in the way of a complete, uh, you know, tsunami of this collectivism and this one world which we know the Bible for thousands of years has predicted would unfold and manifest itself in the end of time. We're seeing it right before our eyes. And what we are witnessing is a great move. The, the heathen raging and the people imagining a vain thing, it precedes the kings of the earth setting themselves, to set themselves, meaning to take their seat of power. But who are these kings? These kings are exactly who the book of Revelation said they were. It is who Daniel calls, <laughs> I don't want to go too far off the, the, the beaten path here, but he talks about them being uh, those who mingle themselves with the seed of men. They appear to be some sort of a, of a hybrid uh, evil manifestation of demonic power. Now, I don't want to go too far afield here, but these kings... Are, are quite possibly a, either a transhumanist expression of, of, of a meshing of, of some sort of demonic technology and, and human DNA, or the actual mingling of the seed of men with these powers that be. But understand this, that what we are being told here in verse 1 is all of this can only be made possible first with the collective of humanity the Gentile nations of the world moving as in a great growing sense of restlessness and beginning to imagine something that in the eyes and the councils of heaven itself are flat out treasonous against the rule and the authority of Almighty God. And because the people are in this way and, and are expressing this kind of a thing, it gives way to a set of kings and a set of rulers. It has to be preceded by them. One cannot happen before the other. It had to come this way. And it is precisely what the book of Revelation explains to us is exactly what's happening. Read that to us, Brother Jeremy, in verse 1. And, and notice how you'll see chapter 13, verse 1 of the book of Revelation. You will see something rise up out of the sea. The sea is the people, followed by rulers, horns with crowns. Read that to us. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. So what do we see? We see the parallel in the book of Revelation, even enlarging verse 1. 
the sea which the beast rises up out of, the book of Revelation goes on to interpret to us, as the angel tells the apostle John, the sea represents the, the tribes, the tongues, the peoples, the nations of the world, the waters of the world. And so it's the same parallel of verse 1 of, of Psalm 2. We see people, we see them raging, we see the nations becoming restless, we see a, 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 a demonic plot uh, amongst the sense of the people beginning to rise up collectively out of them. Then come the kings. That's the same pattern you see in Revelation 13.1. You see the beast rising up, and then suddenly the next thing that he sees is crowns are being given to ten horns upon the heads of the beast. Ten horns. Horns always represent authority in the Bible. The horns represent authority. The crowns represent rulership and kingship. It's the same thing that we're seeing in Psalm chapter 2. So what is this? Go back to Psalm 2, 2 again. The nations are the stirring of the people, which we've just been discussing. And they had to begin to be restless around the world before these kings can make their appearance, as we just read in Revelation 13, 1. It is the preparation of the masses over a length of time, it is necessary and was necessary to bring humanity. Really, what we're witnessing is a return to Babel, a return to the plains of Shinar. What were the characteristics, uh, a couple of the characteristics of Babel? Go over there, Brother Jeremy, would you, uh, to Genesis chapter 11, and let's take a look at that. Amen. Yeah, I wanted to say uh, about that, yeah, because I'm glad we're going there because we also see those, we see that there uh, in, in this story that we're going to read right now, 11, chapter 11 of Genesis, Nimrod, the leader, right, the instigator. But when you begin to read the scriptures in chapter 11, the Bible now, we see the people coming together because now we begin to see words as they journeyed from the, from the east. They yeah. found a plane. They said to one another, let us. Now we see the collective work of the people, yes. uh, but obviously influenced by Nimrod. But here in the in this chapter, we see they, they, the people, the people, which you're talking about, coming collectively. Yes. That's common right. Purpose. And, and one of the characteristics that God himself identifies of that time, which is how we are knowing that we have come full circle and it has it has blossomed and borne its fruit in the end of time. Our time is how the Lord describes them in verse uh, 5 and 6. Can you, can you read that in verse 5 and 6, chapter 11? Yes. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. You see that word yeah. imagined? Yes. That's the same phraseology that's being used in, in Psalm chapter 2, verse 1, right? The people are imagining something. We have returned full circle. One of the greatest identifying marks is what God pointed out here in verse 6, is that the people is one, united, and they have one language. Let's go back to to to, uh, <laughs> to Psalm two. It, it is this. It, I think the most important thing is, is not only the collective desire to be one, but the language, the ability to communicate to any nation, any tribe, any tongue in the world. 
has come back into fruition in our time through the through the evolution of 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 technology and the accelerated rate by which it has uh you know been unleashed upon the planet in our time we have seen a return to a connected world as it was back then as it was in the beginning it shall be in the end we are seeing the same thing and so it is the preparation of the masses it's the collective movement of 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 that satanic spirit that has moved throughout human history it has always attempted what we are describing now we have reached this point again we're emphasizing today and why it's so important if you are spiritually discerning you are literally witnessing something that is far beyond just pulling a lever in a voting booth if you will allow the holy spirit to show you we are literally reaching a moment of critical mass and and the crisis has come to fruition where we head from here forward that is what we're going to discuss what we see in verse 2 is that the kings begin to set themselves these kings are demonic powers and they have hostile intent now what happens first is you see royalty identified and then you see a subset can you read uh, can you read uh, that that again verse 2 brother jeremy the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. If you understand scripture with scripture and, and the kings we have identified, we believe these kings are demonic powers manifesting themselves within, of course, human vessels. But literally, in many ways, they are the kings of the book of Revelation that are predicted. These ten kings that give themselves to the beast system and to that ultimate one called the Antichrist, but that's for another day. But the kings set themselves, and then the rulers take counsel. So you have a connection between the demonic and fallen humanity. These rulers, they're, they're a subset of, of human dignitaries. That's literally what that means in, in the original Hebrew. They're, 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 they're known as grave dignitaries. They are the, what we would call today's senators and governors and kings and presidents and you know whatever you know prime ministers there is a there's a subset that's being energized by a ruling demonic power known as the kings that set themselves they are now in place and being plugged in and it energizes the rulers and what it moves them to do is to take counsel together now this taking counsel together is past tense it doesn't mean uh, uh, that that they're beginning to take counsel. It literally means in the Hebrew, it is a counsel that has already been determined and has occurred over several, several, um, you know, generations. Really, we're talking about end time events and the second coming of the Lord and the United States election and how it all ties together. We hope to show you here in a second what it means. Literally, take counsel together is it indicates that plans uh, have been completed and are now moving and what they're doing now is attempting to carry them out in order to do that they have to rid themselves of the influence and the authority of the lord and his anointed which is jesus christ now i said all that over these last 20 minutes 
to get to where we are because we're talking about the election and its connection to all this that we're talking about. What are we actually seeing? For those of you who were able to see our Instagram on Sunday morning, you know we touched on this a little bit when we talked about uh, Revelation 13. But in that, uh, I read portions out of uh, a final letter that was issued to to the President of the United States on October the 29th from the uh, from the Apostolic Nuncio. Uh, again, an open letter uh, written by uh, Cardinal uh, Vigano, the infamous Vigano, the, the third most powerful man in the Vatican, who over the last uh, year in earnest has begun to take the mask off the demonic papacy and its collusion with the global elite and their agenda to enslave the world. Now, he wrote this letter on October the 29th, a few days ago, an open letter, but addressed to the President of the United States. And in the letter, he he revealed some very, very incredible things. Now, remember what we just said in verse 2, reading the Psalms, that the rulers take counsel. And what that literally means is that it is already well underway, and that it is something that has been determined in the shadows these rulers, before they implement it on the rest of the world. I want to read to you some things out of Viganò's letter. It's his second letter to the president. And I want to read it to you in connection with uh, the rulers taking counsel together, because this is what he said. Listen to what he says. And brothers, please comment whenever you feel like you should here. The first thing that he writes here. to President Trump and subsequently to all of us because it's an open letter. This is Cardinal Vigano. He said this. He said, as I said when I wrote my letter to you, Mr. President, in June, speaking of this election, this historical moment sees the forces of evil aligned in a battle without quarter against the forces of good. Now, Now listen to what he just said. He didn't attribute the election in the United States to to a simple battle between right and left. He elevates it and and literally writes to, he's not writing to to the mayor of Nantucket, right? He's writing to the most powerful man on the face of the earth. And if you view things from a biblical perspective, you realize just how important this is. And what he's telling the president is that the election itself has reached this point in human history that it's not about right and left, but it's literally a battle between the forces of good and evil. That's astounding. Now listen to what he says. The forces of evil that appear powerful and organized as they oppose the children of light. Listen to what he says about the children of light. He says, the children of light are disoriented and they're disorganized, and and they have been abandoned by their temporal and spiritual leaders. I think, brothers, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, Rose, you know, as, as you feel led to share, but what he said there, because we're not Catholic, <laughs> but what we're drawing your attention to is one of the most powerful spiritual leaders in the world is writing the most powerful man in the world and telling him to open his eyes and understand that the United States election is far beyond a simple Democrat versus Republican or independent or whatever you want to call it. He says 
that this election itself has become the focal point of a struggle between good and evil itself. And he says that in the context of that and what has been transpiring in 2020, he words it this way when he, when he speaks of the children of God. He says currently they are disoriented, they are disorganized, and they've been abandoned by their spiritual leaders. See, we've been talking about this for months, and it gave me chills when I read it because I went, man, this is what we've been sharing with our brothers and sisters. You see, the establishment in our country, the religious ruling elite, they have been exposed as the charlatans they really are. They came out right out of the gate when this COVID thing started happening, blowing at the wind and, you know, decreeing and prophesying and all that garbage that they did. But in the end, within a matter of days, their, their, their fault, their, 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 their fake, fake anointing and their false prophecies became even more increasingly apparent on a national basis. And it began to seep down into the congregations as the churches became shut and the preachers no longer had a voice, that there was really no guidance, no direction, you know, no lighthouse to gather our boats around in the midst of the growing storm. And in essence, we have felt, I know you have brothers, uh, you know, amongst the population of, of the church itself and the community of the church within, within our understanding in this country, really, um, they, they are disoriented. They are afraid. They are disorganized. They have no shepherds. And if, if, if one of the things that this, these events of these times have exposed is, is, is that the preachers of our current generation have been weighed in the balance and utterly found wanting. Any thoughts on that? Um, uh, I mean, that's, that's a powerful statement. Again, it's, it's not coming from a, a Christian leader. Right. But it is coming from the most powerful, I would say, uh, religion in the world, just because of the sway that the Pope has over political leaders. Yes. Right? Um, so so think about, you know, somebody might be saying, well, what does that have to do with us? We're not Catholic. It, <laughs> it, it, we have the, the third more, most powerful man in the Vatican then, before he was excommunicated, uh, some years ago, uh, ousting out his own religion, yes. or not his own religion, but religious leaders of, of, of the Vatican, where he once was, and, and telling the world, and the most powerful leader in the world, which is an indictment to the church of, of God, the Christian church. Yes. Because that should have been the true preachers of the gospel warning our president. Think about that for a moment. Incredible. But in, instead we have a Catholic warning our president of what's to come, about the deep state, the deep church, uh, the, inner, the inner workings and thoughts of the Vatican in conjunction with, with, with the nations of the world and what their uh, global agenda is. I mean, think about it. You know, this is the pope, this is the pope that that has put homosexuals in leadership all over the world. Yes, pedophiles. Okay, pedophiles. And, and and this is the same pope who just came out and said in a documentary that that marriage between a, a man and a man, a woman and a woman, you know, it, it's it's you know, they're all children of God. This is the same pope who's who's going to uh, cancel 
uh, Christmas mass. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so, so again, and, and why, why is this so important? Because the religion that mirrors Christianity the most is Catholicism, right? Because they believe in Christ as well. It's another yeah. Christ. But when the world sees Protestants, they see Catholics and Christians as the same. That's true. Correct? So if the yes. Pope is saying it, then the rest of the Protestants should be following suit. Yes. And and this is where it gets real dicey, right? And 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 we have to really pay attention to to what's being said by by Vigano, you know, or, uh, by Vigano to our president. There is yes. truth in what he is saying. Now, do we disagree in his beliefs? Absolutely, I'm sure. But man, yes. where where are the where are the men of God that should be warning uh, the president of the United States instead of you know going to the White House and telling the president everything's going to be all right and he's God's chosen man? Right. Where are they at? No, it's, 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 brother. Yeah, it's what no. it's what uh, it's what Vigano just says here, right? He says, as a result of where are they at, uh, the, the the sheep of the Lord, it, it, whether you're Protestant or Catholic, it's are organized, dis- discombobulated, no leadership, yeah. no, no no leadership. There is there is none. He yeah, used that, the word I mean, a, powerful abandoned. Powerful wow, it is. He used the word abandoned he, by their leaders. You know, wow. and, 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 and and why why is he speaking up though? Why is he speaking up? In his letter to Trump, he says, "I am writing to you in the midst of the silence of both civil and religious authorities, because they're not saying anything. Well, someone has to do it. That's what he says on his well, letter. I'm writing to you. Yeah, and what you're reading there, he uh, if you keep reading, it's interesting the phraseology he goes on to use as well, and then he says. Uh, please accept the words that I'm about to give to you. I'm like a voice crying in the wilderness. He, he, John 123, yes. Yeah. He references the spirit of Elijah. It's really amazing. And I know that, you know, you know what, what one of the greatest disservice of the Protestant church is, done to it by its preachers and its lack of, of structure and organization, is to educate the people in the in the relative truth that we can garner from from history. When Brother Fernando talks about the Catholic Church in the way that he just did, he's literally talking about an institution that was the exclusive church on the planet for thousands of years. It was born in the third century. It became the church. And and why it is so dangerous now and why this Vigano stepping out from it and calling it on the carpet is so profoundly important to what we're trying to gain understanding about in this election and the days going forward is because he has walked amongst the circles not <laughs> of the most powerful players on in global politics and religious politics on the earth and so when he begins to tear back the curtain and expose what he's revealing he's literally letting us know that this deep state, deep church cabal, which seeks to rule the world, has finally reached its apex and is now making its move. 
And that's why he frames the U.S. election in the terms of a struggle not between political rivals or political parties or political ideology. He frames it in spiritual language saying it's a fight between good and evil itself. That's right. incredible. <laughs> so yes. the, second thing, the second thing that he says, he says, daily we sense that the attacks are multiplying of those who want to destroy the very basis of society. They want to destroy the natural family. They want to res destroy respect for human life, love of country, freedom of education and business. We see, remember, why do the heathen rage and, and the rulers, right, take counsel together? The, the, the kings set themselves. He says this, we see heads of nations and religious leaders pandering to this suicide of Western culture and its Christian soul, while the fundamental wow. rights of citizens and believers are denied in the name of a health emergency that is revealing itself more and more fully as instrumental to the establishment of an inhuman, faceless tyranny. Are you listening? <laughs> mm -hmm. That inhuman, faceless tyranny, that's the Antichrist. He's in the shadow. He goes on to say, a global plan. Remember what we're talking about? They take counsel together to throw off their bands, right? A global plan called the Great Reset is underway. Its architect is a global elite that wants to subdue, listen to this, wants to subdue all of humanity, imposing coercive measures with which to drastically limit individual freedoms and those of entire populations. In several nations, this plan has already been approved and financed. In others, it's still in the early stage. Behind the world leaders who are the accomplices and executors of the infernal project, listen to this, there are unscrupulous characters who finance the World Economic Forum and Event 201. By the way, for those of you who don't know, uh, the World Economic Forum gathered the first week of January 2020 in Davos, Switzerland, headed by Klaus Schwab. I'm going to read something he wrote to you in a, in a second. He wrote from that forum. And Event 201 was a simulated war game back in, I believe it was October of 2019, under the funding of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the World Health Organization and the Rockefeller Foundation and John Hopkins University. They gathered together and they had a, a simulated scenario of this disease uh, 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 known as uh, COVID or, 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 or coronavirus. And, and they said that the disease, then they, they played out this war game that, that spread through the whole world. That was October 2019, uh, event 201. By, by, by February of 2020, just a few months later, everything that they, they pretended to, to think might happen, which I believe they were actually announcing what they were going to do right there, uh, we're living it out right now. 
Exactly. Just Google Event 201 and go check it out, those of you who aren't familiar with it. And Google the World Economic Forum and check out Davos 2020 and see what Klaus Schwab, the head of it, which is where all the world leaders and all the world economic powers gather together every year and determine our lives. This is what Vigano is talking about. And he's saying that the spirit that's running through it is the, as he put it, the inhuman faceless tyranny of the devil himself, man. They are promoting their agenda. And then he says in verse three, I mean, in paragraph three, the purpose of the great reset is the imposition of a health dictatorship aiming at the imposition of libertarian measures, in other words, curtailing our liberties, hidden behind tempting promises of ensuring a universal income and the canceling of individual debt. That's communism, brothers and sisters. The price of these concessions from the International Monetary Fund will be to, will be, listen to this, the renunciation of private property and adherence to a program of vaccination against COVID-19 and COVID-21. For those of you who aren't familiar, Bill and Melinda Gates were just interviewed a few days ago and smirkingly told everyone COVID-19 is just the beginning. He predicted a second wave and he called it COVID-21. They are going to do what they want to do. They are, they have, like we have been talking to you about for several months now, they are taking their shot right now. They can't pull back. So even though we're experiencing the election tonight, tonight's dangerous, but more dangerous are the days after it. We're going to see some right. things and a move, right? Were you going to say something? No, no, you're absolutely right. Now, now listen to what he says. <clears throat> the price of these concessions from the International Monetary Fund will be the renunciation of private property. What does he mean by that? He's saying that what they have begun to do by shutting down mom-and-pop businesses, by closing down the Western world, by destabilizing the economy in the West, which in, in essence is trickling throughout the whole world, is then implement governmental takeover by sending out uh, stimulus checks and you know these all these checks that they began to send out to everybody. And their ultimate desire is to cancel debt completely, which would destabilize the entirety of the world's economy. And, and in order to reimagine it and rework it into a new economy, listen to what he goes on to say, uh, uh, private property and the adherence to a program of vaccination against COVID-19 and COVID-21 promoted by Bill Gates with the collaboration of the main pharmaceutical groups. Beyond the enormous economic interests that motivate the promoters of the great reset, quote unquote, the imposition of the vaccination will be accomplished by the requirement of a health passport and a digital ID with the consequent contract tracing of the population of the entire world. Those who do not accept these measures, listen to this, will be confined in detention camps were placed under house arrest and all their assets will be confiscated. Mr. President, I imagine that you are already aware that in some countries, the Great Reset will be activated 
between the end of this year and the first three months of 2021. Cardinal Vigano, this is what we're talking about. This is what this election is about, but it's prophetic. The man is telling the president, and subsequently we've had access to read his words here today, what is coming. He has all the credibility to know what he's talking about. He's walked in these halls amongst these insanely dark people. Remember, the book of Revelation reveals this strategy. It talks about that threefold component. It talks about a military component, a lawmaking component, and a spiritual component tied to the economy. We are talking about the great global reset. You've heard that more and more. And and that is where we are. They have what they call a a a new Bretton Woods moment. I don't know if you know what Bretton Woods is, my brothers, but <laughs> you're probably too young to even have heard about it. When we came out of World War II, and, and I'll discuss this a little further in a second here, we're not going to be much longer, but we're laying out the scenario of the importance of what's actually happening on this election day. Uh, the Bretton Woods moment was something that happened out of uh, World War II. When the United States emerged out of World War II, it was the most powerful nation on the face of the earth, and it controlled over two-thirds of the world's gold. And so this meeting took place where they had to to figure out a way uh, to to restructure the world's economy coming out of World War II. That gave birth to what we call the International Monetary Fund, and we'll talk about that in a second. But in my research, I was reading a, a, an article, um, and 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 the article uh, goes on to to say this uh, concerning a speech that was given <laughs> recently um, by the head of the International Monetary Fund in Washington D.C. on October the fifteenth. Listen to this: on Thursday, October the fifteenth, the International Monetary Fund published a speech written by the uh, the International Monetary Fund, Washington, D.C. Managing Director, Kristalina Georgieva is her name. She called for a new Bretton Woods moment. I briefly mentioned that. The article has caused sound money and free market advocates to grow concerned. Why? They are concerned that, listen to this, that a big change is coming and possibly will lead the ultimate restructuring of the world's economy. It's called the Great Financial Reset. A few, a few days later on October the 18th, economic strategist Raul Paul said of, of Ms. Georgieva's speech that, that what she is alluding to is a huge change is coming to the global financial system. Listen to this. If you don't think Central bank digital currencies are coming. You're missing the big and the important picture. This is going to be the biggest overhaul of the global financial system since the founding of the International Monetary Fund in Brenton Woods in 1944. What was Brenton Woods? Let me just read this for you. 
the Brenton Woods system was a huge change in the world economic system. The agreement in 1944 established centralized monetary management rules between Australia, Japan, the United States, and Canada, and another, uh, a number of other Western European countries. Basically, the world's economy was in a shambles after World War II. So the 730 delegates from 44 allied nations gathered in New Hampshire in a hotel called Brenton Woods. The group was led by the British representative John Maynard King, Keynes, and the United States Treasury Department official Harry Dexter White. Many historians believe the closed-door Brenton Woods meeting centralized the entire world's financial system. It was beginning back then, brothers. This has been coming for quite some time, is what we're saying, brothers and sisters out there. And this is why we took pause today to lay out what we see coming. We've been studying this for the whole year, so we're bringing it to you now, because we're going to be going forward as we close out the year. And, and 2021, you think 2020 was crazy? You ain't seen nothing yet. We're headed to these times, and we're not trying to scare you. We're trying to inform you so that you can adequately and accurately hear from the Spirit of God in order to prepare and to continue to prepare in whatever way he leads you. Well, what do we do? I can't tell you that. Pray. Read the Word. Draw your family close. Be prudent and practical. Uh, you know, game scenarios in your mind. You know, what happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? Get ready because they're doing this. The rulers have taken counsel. The kings have set themselves. Right. On, the meetings, on the meeting's final day at Bretton Woods, delegates codified a code of rules, listen to this, for the world's financial system, and listen to the language they use, and they invoked the World Bank Group and the IMF. That word invoked is, is an occult term. To invoke is, 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 is the language of the occult. They invoked a World Bank. They invoked an international monetary fund, essentially, because the United States controlled more than two-thirds of the world's gold. The system would rely on gold and the United States dollar. However, Richard Nixon shocked the world when he removed the gold part out of Brenton Woods uh, back in August of 1971. Why is that important? Because, again, uh, we began to see a move to destabilize economies as far back as the early 70s. They brought it to a particular point, which we just described. They created a global mindset for the economy. They backed it by hard currency of gold. And the United States became the standard bearer of, that drove the world economy. In 71, a shift occurred where Nixon removed the gold standard, thereby causing incredible inflation, because there's nothing to back it. So the dollar isn't worth what it used to be. But in essence, it set in motion what we're seeing today, a complete destabilization of the global economy at a level that we, we didn't even have a chance to see before, because we weren't as connected as we are today. Now, a number of people believe that the IMF alluding to a new Bretton Woods means that the powers that will be will introduce a great reset if they haven't already done so, according to the COVID-19 pandemic. Brothers and sisters, do you have eyes to see? What does a virus have to do with a Green New Deal or a world's economy being reset? 
Nothing. The flu has nothing to do with it, but they're using it. Now listen, it's the change of the economic system of today to one which will be one where we see the 1% elite controlling 100% of the planet. They don't even know what they're saying here, but they're talking Book of Revelation. No, Listen to this. No small business will be allowed. Everything will become automated. And the new normal will be digital money, digital socializing, complete public tracking with complete ostracism of people who don't comply. This is the surveillance state. And they're announcing and have been announcing this is what they're doing. Listen, in 2014, in the book, The Big Reset, uh, the author Middlecott said this, uh, that his most important chapter in his book uh, was chapter six. And this is what he wrote. The new rules have been discussed, listen, not only inside the advanced economies of the world, but also with all emerging economies, including China. With the status of the United States dollar as the international reserve currency being very shaky, a new global currency is being conceived and initiated. Now, there are two major problems in the world's financial system that have to be addressed. One is the demise of the United States dollar as the world's reserve currency, and two, the almost uncontrollable growth in debt in central banks' balance sheets. For all of these issues, central banks have only been buying time since the start of the credit crisis in 2007. Have we forgot? In 2007, 2008, the entire world was plunged into a depression. It was purposefully done. Listen, but given how sensitive this issue is, nothing can be said in public. Any official comments about this new Plan B would crash the financial markets. Now, he's writing this in 2014, remember. The central planners know that the only way to plan a reset is to do it in absolute and total secrecy. That's what they've been doing. And when you look at the at the the rage that has come against the current president of the United States, it's not normal. They have spent five years, the year that he was running, and the last four years attempting to stop him. And what did he do? He instituted economic policies that were U.S. centralized. He restored the economic engine to the nation. What he did, brothers and sisters, whether he knew it or not, was throw a giant wrench into the globalist plan that was almost fully realized had he not won the election. But once he did, he went about issuing executive orders that totally began ramping up the power of the United States economy and restoring it to its national 
economic glory, achieving statistical numbers, whether it be the unemployment numbers, the, the gross domestic, domestic product numbers, the, the, the easing of taxation and the burdens upon the people, on and on and on. It caused our economy to flourish to such an extent that, that he was making his way into the next phase, which is the election we're having today. They had to put a stop to it. They couldn't do it by Russian disinformation. They couldn't do it by the, the, the fake steel dossier. They couldn't do it by the Mueller investigation that lasted two years, which proved to be a hoax. They couldn't do it through the deep state at the FBI, whereas um, if you remember, <laughs> James Comey was fired by the president for his shady underhanding dealings. They couldn't do it by indicting Michael Flynn, the great, one of the greatest general heroes that we've ever had in the United States, by lying and fabricating information, which has just come out recently. They couldn't do it then. They couldn't do it with all the things that they tried to do, and they couldn't do it at the, at the end of 2019 by trying to impeach the president. And so it looked as we entered into 2020 for all intents and purposes that this man was going to ride his train all the way to, a, to an overwhelming sweeping election. But what happened? A virus was unleashed a virus that would destabilize the entire world's economy, but the biggest economy of all had to be brought to its knees. And how better to do it than to, than to bring it to its knees with, an, with a health crisis? That's what Vigano was revealing. That's what these economic articles we're reading to you about uh, uh, mean, in that they were trying with all their might to institute a global economy, which if you know your scriptures, you go and read them in Revelation 13, 11 through 18. That is precisely the last component of the beast system, an enslaving of humanity tied to the economic system, wherein a digital ID or a mark of the beast, whatever you want to call it, which is what we have just been reading, not from Christians now, I'm reading to you secular articles that I've researched for weeks and weeks and weeks now. This is what they're saying. So this election and what we are witnessing is so far deep in, in the lake of prophecy fulfillment that it is stunning. And when you begin to pull the layers away, you begin to realize, indeed, the rulers have taken counsel together. And the ultimate agenda is the rejection of the fatherhood of God and the kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ and the embracing of a demonic system. That's why they go on to say in verse 3, what do they say, Brother Jeremy, <laughs> in chapter Psalm 2, verse 3? Psalm 2. It says, um, <clears throat> Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. That is the ultimate goal. That is the ultimate rejection of God. That is the scenario of the forces of good versus the forces of light. Now, you may be in complete overload by now, but I'm just going to throw this out there because this is it. I mean, this is where we're at. I talked to you about the World Economic Forum. I talked to you about the United States and the crucial implications of the election that we're facing right now. I do not believe, and this is my own thoughts and what I said. I do not believe that it really matters who wins the election. Either way, there's going to be chaos. 
the removing of the United States yeah. and its its preeminence as as a global power is well underway. And like we talked about before, the enemy isn't at the gate, brothers and sisters. He's in every phase and every level of our very system that 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 we have known and appreciated for the last 240 years. Brother, Brother Fernando, what were you going to say? No, I mean, so much information you gave there. I remember being a, uh, a young kid and watching black and white uh, footage of World War II, World War One. I. I remember my father telling me, he said, he said this, uh, I remember very clearly, this is in the 90s, I was a young kid and I was so in love with prophecy. He said, he said, whenever world leaders go talk in a private room, <laughs> There's no cameras. The world cannot see them. Just you have to understand that they are setting the course for the future of their nation and the world. He says, and you will not see the ramifications of those conversations until many years later. My my. Yeah. Oh, and, that, and that's what we're talking about in Psalms too. Yeah. Um, and I remember. I mean, you, you, this 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 has been happening forever. After World War One, it was the League of Nations that came out of that, right? After yeah. World War Two, it was it was the UN, which right. has its headquarters in New York. <laughs> yeah, which is strange, which is very strange to me, you know. It because, is. Uh, yet the headquarters are here, but we're opposed to the UN. Um, yeah. Which which I don't I don't I understand, but again, it, it makes no sense. But uh, I mean, you go back to World War Two, you know, and and how Hitler came into power. And you see the Catholic Church involved to the point yeah. where they admitted they were complicit in what took place there in World War II with, with the killing of six million Jews. They didn't speak up against it. You're right. They didn't speak up against it. You have images. You go, go on the Internet of, of Hitler with Catholic priests. Yes. Shaking hands. The Pope himself. This, yeah, the Pope himself, Pius, I think his name was, right? And, 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 and we see the attempt of what's taking place today trying to take place back then. Yeah. Right? World domination. And we see who they are attacking. Jews. Christians. Yeah. Right? And we see the Vatican and Hitler, the you know, and, and his conquest to take over the world. Obviously, it didn't work out. Um, you know, that, that ended in World War II. But we see them again trying this thing out, yes. this global agenda. So this is not new. What the Scripture is telling us in Psalms 2 is that this has always been uh, uh, with mankind, uh, you know, as they're being driven by the spirit of the enemy. This is what they're attempting to do. Yes, and what we're what we're posing to you, to the listener the question is, you know, is this the beginning of the end? That's the question. Right? Yes, that's the question, or is it just another phase? You know, where where you know ah, the evidence is is and the technology that we have, right? It's yes. it's just so advanced. Yes that it, we have the capability to actually bring the whole world, you know, uh, under one state, so to speak, yeah. one economy, right? Yes. One law, one rule. 
yeah. one religion. One ring to rule them all. Yeah. And <laughs> America is a young nation. It's just over 200 years old, right? The nation of America. Yeah. And we see what has taken place in the last 100 years has been an attempt to thwart this nation because this nation, as you said, stands in the way. Yes. Of of all of this, you know, global that's been going on with, from the League of Nations, United Nations, uh, and so forth. Look at the attempt. I see these as attempts to try to thwart this nation and the enemy trying to settle in here, in our nation, which he has, you know, over the years. And this is where it has taken us. No nation has prospered after Israel like the United States of America in just 200 years. Think about that. And right. now, in that, in that lightning speed, uh, things are about to change here in our nation. And the world. And the world. No, that, and the that, world. Yeah. Yes, yes. Both of you, that's that's really powerful, what you, what you were saying. Uh, Brother Fernando, what you were saying about your dad, uh, very wise, absolutely true. I mean, there, there's, every, once a year they gather up there in the, in Redwood country up where you boys used to live up there in the Northern California yeah. section, uh, the Bilderberg group. I mean, mm-hmm. these are the most elite, powerful leaders in the world. They gather once a year, uh, in the secret in the forest and, and they, and they shape the plans of the world. The Kings of the earth are set. The rulers take counsel together. These are pre-existing plans that are now flourishing in our time. And brother Fernando, you brought out a, a very, uh, important point is that this this attempt has been being made, and Brother Jeremy, as you were talking as well, the last hundred years, this attempt to globalize uh, has has been made since the early 1900s, but the, but the missing component, which is what you brought up, Brother Fernando, is the technology. The, right, right. There was, right. right? There, was, there was no way uh, that they could literally uh, track the whole world. They can now, and they are now. And oh, and and it, yeah, and and so and there's another component, which we'll talk about as the Lord allows us to in the coming days. But we were talking about it before we started today, is is the China component. That that mysterious five thousand year old civilization, uh, that has now begun to to flex its its dragon muscles, <laughs> in our time. Uh, and it's as if old world globalists now have a, a, an ally in the Far East that is willing to link itself together in our times and focus its energies on destabilizing, if not removing, the United States as we have known it to this point. In order to do so uh, with the result, in the hopes of the result, that they can finally realize their global agenda. It is the removing of a of the Christian West, it it is the intense attack that is motivated not simply out of human energy, but out of Satan himself. For the dragon has come down to you, knowing he has but a short time, and he goes forth to make war with the saints, and, and with those that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And I, John, stood on the sand of the sea and saw a beast rising up out of the sea. I think that's what we're witnessing right now. We've laid out a, f- remember, a few things. Remember, to... remember where the where the Bible says that while men slept, uh, the enemy uh, sowed tear, right? Uh, right. 
That's and, really good. And and it, that's what it feels like, brother. Like we, like yeah, Americans, Christians in America, twenty twenty woke up, mm-hmm. and they're like, whoa, what what is going on? Yes. And the, the problem was that the whole time the enemy was sowing what he was sowing, the preachers were asleep. Yes. Yes. The people were asleep. And then it's like we just woke up and we're like, wait a minute, we got to fight for what, our country. What happened? Right. Mm-hmm. What happened? Mm-hmm. And it's, and, and we're, and, you know, we've been talking about it. Is it too late? You know, and that's the thing, like to imagine a world, you know, to imagine a, 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 an America, you know, that's not the same as the America of our forefathers, right? Or of our yeah. parents. That's so hard for people to believe right now. And you feel the momentum. You, yeah. you I was I was sitting I was sitting on the couch with my daughter and, and my wife and I said, you know, it's so weird, right? I said, it feels like the spirit is being sucked out of this country. Yes, sir. And 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 it's 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 I don't feel what I used to feel, you know, before. Something's taking over this country, and, and it made me sad. It made me sad, and it brother. It, yeah, and, and and it made me realize, my God, we we had no idea how good we had, it because you know we weren't perfect, like we always say. But we had some kind of respect towards yeah. the things of God. You know, you said mm-hmm. something in uh, some pod, some podcast ago. You know, when 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 the nation was struck with calamity in in nine eleven, you know, all the leaders of America went to uh, the, the the you know the stairs of Capitol Hill, I think it was, and saying "God bless America." <laughs> now, now, what yeah. Governor Newsom has said, Governor mm-hmm. Newsom said. You can't even go to church. You can't even sing in church mm-hmm. or suffer the, the penalty of the law and fines. To sing, God bless America, forbidden. That's incredible. Incredible. I mean, I I won't get into it, but I, I it's funny you, you mentioned that because I was reading California's, uh, uh, I have it right here, uh, the, the California Department of Public Health and, uh, and uh, uh, website. Uh, and Governor Newsom's edicts for uh, for the holidays, <laughs> and they have a they have this four page printout of uh, of people that that dare to gather for Thanksgiving or Christmas, limiting it to three people, uh, three households. In other words, you can't have more than than a few people in your house. Uh, but that has that, but that's also including the host, the guests. And and then when they get to talking about eating, everybody indoors has to be wearing masks. Everybody, uh, and you can't you can't wear your mask. You you can only put your mask down if you're going to take a bite of food. Uh, as far as singing hymns or or Christmas songs, let me read this. What does he say here? Uh, oh, you have to sing with your mask on. That's what, I can't find it right now. I was I didn't want to go too deep into it, but I just I I thought, my God. Every phase of your life, man, is what they're after. And this is an official. This is under a thousand dollar fine. If they come to your house and they find that you know there's more cars parked outside than you need to have there, you guys are in trouble. And and the same outside. And they're encouraging people well, in their houses. 
he, he he's an awesome he's an aw, he's an awesome idiot. That's what he is. Yeah, go ahead, bro. Awesome. <laughs> that's just it, right? But that's where they're at. That's the mindset that is fighting for the soul of this nation now. Like we said, how can we explain the ferocity by which they've tried to remove this president? Now, I am not preaching to you Donald Trump because he's just a guy. But right. it's as if the Lord allowed a wrench to be thrown in their plans for other things that have happened, to set other things in place. But here we are now. They are right. not turning back. I mean, we've we've spent the last better part of an hour and a half now reading, verifying uh, presenting evidence to you that comes right off, uh, you know, some of the most respective uh, journalistic sources there are, which I've gathered over the last several weeks. We've done our homework, and 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 right. it, and, and so what we're doing is we're presenting to you uh, where we're going forward, what is coming ahead of us. Now, in the coming days, we'll discuss if the Lord allows us to. Uh, in greater depth, these these scenarios that are that are being described in the uh, Book of Revelation, and one of them seems to be implying uh, the United States as a consumer nation that must be removed from the face of the earth. It, it, it speaks of a beast that hates a, a, a woman, and that and that it will be allowed to turn on that woman, and 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 judgment will come down on her for for various reasons. But we're already seeing this hatred towards our nation. And 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 uh, at the beginning of this year, this Klaus Schwab, you can Google him, uh, he said this. And, and 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 he said this as representative of representative of the whole world, the world's elite. They're they are totally against a nationalized America. It's not just America because they want our fruit and bounty here that God gave us. You know, they might destroy a New York City or, or, or destroy a Washington, D.C., but they're not going to burn up the whole country. They want our oil. They want our, our precious resources. They want our farm belt. China's coming, brothers and sisters. <laughs> Listen to me. This is Klaus Schwab. He said, technological advances often take place in a monopolized economy. That's what they, they call America, a monopolized economy and are used to prioritize one's company's profits over societal progress. So they're, they're speaking about reimagining capitalism. They call it as a hindrance to society's progress. That's, that's communism. Listen, the same economic system that created so much prosperity in the golden age of American capitalism in the 1950s and 60s, listen, is now creating inequality and climate change. So America is the reason, even though we're made up of every tribe, tongue, and nation on the face of the planet, we're, 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 we're in equal. I remind you, Mr. Schwab from Germany, who <laughs> 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 the biggest racist were to begin with back in the 40s, who burned six million Jews in the oven. Don't talk to me in, in this country about, uh, that we're a bunch of racists and, and, and climate change. Exactly. Have you ever been to Beijing, Mr. Schwab? I have. You can't, I mean, you need a knife to cut through the forest of smog and pollution that's emanating from the factories of Beijing and Shanghai. So don't give me this America's the contributor to climate change. We have the cleanest air, cleanest water, the lowest emissions of any country on the face of the earth, especially the industrialized ones. But they want to lay this trip on us, right? We're, we're, we're unequal 
So we're the we're the we're the uh, we're the purveyors of climate change. Listen to what he says here. And the same political system that enabled our global progress and democracy after World War II is now contributing to societal discord and discontent. Each was well-intended but had unintended negative consequences. Yet, there are reasons to believe that a, listen, a better economic system is possible and that it could be just around the corner, January 2020. It says that there is a beast that hates the woman. It hates her because she rides it. She must be removed for the for the final plan to, to fully be realized. But we are well along. This election is about a struggle for the whole world. Make no mistake about it. And it, it and it should bring you an understanding as to why they have fought tooth and nail to destroy this presidency and all the people that it represents who have voted for a different direction for America, which is one of an individual nation that holds forth the light and promise of freedom and liberty for all humanity. Now, listen, we'll just close with this. Tonight's uh, election uh, will probably be, you know, it'll be taking shape and on the east, on the west coast, probably around six thirty, seven o'clock our time. We'll begin to see even before then. But, but last night there was a stunning interview uh, of of, uh, of a great general uh, by the name of Thomas uh, McInerney. Have you seen him? Do you guys know who he is? Uh, yeah, Thomas McInerney. He was interviewed on Newsmax TV. I saw his interview this morning on, on Steve Bannon's war pandemic. Uh, he comes out of the, uh, the the military establishment, and he talked about something. Now, I'm just putting it out there. I haven't verified this. I've just heard about it. My mother-in-law uh, called us last night and said he was on Newsmax being interviewed last night and what he was saying. So I'm just going to put it out there for your information. I'm not saying it's true or untrue. I don't know, but it sure did freak me out when I heard it this morning. Um, and I thank my mother-in-law and my wife for bringing my attention to it. But General McInerney, uh, being interviewed by Steve Bannon this morning, uh, referenced something called the hammer. Have you heard of the hammer? <laughs> I mean, this is something out of a Jason Bourne movie, man. I mean, this is uh, – he, he claims that when the Obama administration took power from the Bush administration, that the NSA, in compliance with other deep state, central intelligence, FBI, all those kinds of agencies, right – uh, but particularly the NSA and CIA, that uh, as a result of 9-11, they began to institute a global surveillance system uh, that was driven primarily through the World Wide Web. They called it the hammer. It was the inability to, it was the ability, excuse me, to uh, to monitor and to keep tabs on every citizen and every system which is tied to the internet. He said when the Obama administration took power, uh, that uh, that they they were made aware, of course, you know, because the president is read into all these secret things, that they weaponized it, and that they they uh, that that this hammer in conjunction in conjunction, excuse me, with Silicon Valley and the big tech firms like Google uh, and, and Apple and the others um, created a, a a a source code software 
fueled by big tech, which allowed them to infiltrate uh, the the machines that do the tabulation uh, for the votes that were cast in yeah, the 2000. Okay, yeah, I, I I remember now. I remember that. You time. remember? Yeah. General McInerney, right? I mean, this isn't yeah, some yeah. you know Alex Jones crying from the top of some West Texas dirt hill, right? I mean, this is this is a man who walked in the elite power of the military saying this. So what for whatever uh, that you know weight that lends to what he's saying, I'll leave it up to the to the listener. But this is what he said. He said that in 2016 uh, they renamed it from the hammer to what they called the the scorecard, and and they talked about. He says that they initially used it uh, in uh, not 2016, but in uh, when did Romney? Iraq. Iraq too, but I mean, but specifically dealing with the United States election, when Romney ran for president in 2012 right, or 20, right. 2012, that the key battleground state was uh, Florida. If you go back and do your homework, you'll see that he lost by a razor thin margin. The general was saying this morning that he's aware of the fact that they weaponized this and and used the source code to infiltrate the the the, uh, the machines that were counting the ballots in Florida and tilted the election uh, in the favor of the Obama administration, which became a key state, as we well know, in the electoral college and putting the president over the top. They weaponized it against their political appointments. And then in 2016, they say they did the same thing when Bernie Sanders was running against Hillary Clinton and they came to the South Carolina primary. The general says that they used it again uh, the, the 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 thing they call the hammer, the scorecard, uh, in tilting the uh, primary uh, toward Hillary Clinton in a razor thin victory uh, that stopped the momentum of the Sanders campaign when she was trying to acquire the nomination. So this morning, what he was saying was that he believes that we need uh, officials at the highest level of government that can be trusted to shut this down. That they're completely aware of it, and he fears that they're using it in a deep state setting in order to tilt the balance of the election in, in targeted counties that could literally give victory uh, to, to, to the other side, the other political party, causing razor thin uh, decisions to be made. But in effect, he says, so sophisticated is the software that you can't tell and that they tested mm -hmm. it, but you can't tell uh, unless you have the source codes, which he says, are uh, are in the vaults of, of Silicon Valley and, and, and the deep state itself at the CIA and the NSA. So what do you say? I mean, we sound like some paranoid people. I mean, I'm not telling you nothing. No, no. This was, this was technology, sophisticated technology that was used to tilt or sway elections in other countries. And, and yes. it's able to, this technology is able to gather information based on uh, what you search on the web, uh, uh, you know what? Will you know what you click on in social media, and it gathers this information to, 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 to come to a conclusion of the kind of person you are. Yeah. Right? So when right. it comes to this technology, you, you, the one who searches on the internet, you're like some kind of avatar, and they have a a, a certain way of viewing you based on what you view, right? And it literally hacks your reality. And yeah. then the te the technology sends information to you to try to sway your mind to vote a certain direction. So this technology was used 
uh, you know, to, to sway elections or till elections uh, in other nations, but now it was used here in America to sway our elections. Yes. And this is precisely, right? that's exactly, that's excellent uh, the way you described it and, and explained it there. That's exactly right. And what the general was saying this morning is that he is aware of, because he was walking the halls of power at that time, that they weaponized it for the particular yes. purpose of, of gathering the data that you're talking about, quantifying it, and categorizing each and every single individual in the country and the world. And that and when the elect- that, brother, but, but also to sway uh, court rulings by creating a roster of, of 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 jurors that will sway, you know, uh, uh, wow. a ruling a certain way. Think about wow. that. That's powerful. They use that technology. Wow. And so why do you think all these political leaders are being brought to court? Right. Wow. In America. Incredible. Right. Well, now that we've just about scared everybody that's listening to us. All right. <laughs> And preach everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, if it wasn't so insane, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, uh, all but you I can could, do is, is laugh. We could tell the people. We could tell the people God wants to bless them and prosper them, and you know, uh, if you plant a seed, God will bless you. And you gotta make it feel good, you know. Yeah. No, this is yeah. This is. Uh, this is our election day special, and we're going to put it out as soon as we get done with this. But, but we pray that you've listened to it. You listen to it. Share it with your neighbors. Share it with others, because we're not just talking about today. We're talking about what's coming ahead. And we pray that we've given you some information today that'll help you to do your own research. Don't just believe it because we say it. But we're taking it out of the word. We're applying it to our times, and we're seeing the uncanny, absolutely uncanny fulfillment of the things that seem to have been predicted for our time and and we need to wake up church we need to be prepared uh the only thing that you fear is the unknown and so be led of the holy spirit and know let him show you because he's speaking he's he's trying every which way he can through whatever vessel we're not perfect vessels we're imperfect vessels all of us are but god is trying every way he can to reach us and to get us to be awake and to see the times that we're living in. What did we think they would be like? Why is it so shocking? Brother Fernando, when you said uh, that story about the, the tares being sowed amongst the wheat, man, that went off in my spirit. Because it is exactly like that. When It's as if the people in the church woke up and went, oh, my God, what happened? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what happened? Well, it's been happening all along, right? Wow. That's incredible what you said about jurors, man. That is powerful what you said about jurors. Because when we talk about it being weaponized, it is just that. And, and, in, and what the general said outside of influence is that they, 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 they redid uh, it, it, its reach, and created a new source code that they called the scorecard. And that that like a virus that could infiltrate uh, the actual counting systems, which run on the computer, by the way, and the internet, uh, they're able to hide themselves like, you know, like a hidden invisible man and literally change the outcome uh, by, by altering a few votes digitally. 
so that when the scorecard comes out the other end, you know, and they and they tally up the votes, you know, through artificial intelligence and all the crazy stuff we got going on, that they've actually altered the vote. Even if it's just a few hundred votes or a couple thousand here and there, it can sway the national election. That's what he said. And it's just something to be aware of. Brothers and sisters, we have reached this time. And, and it is time for us as the church of the living God to pray like we've never prayed before. To draw our families and our children close. To encourage them. If you're a man listening to us, you know, <laughs> you know, bench press some scriptures, man. You know, be the man of your house. Yeah. <laughs> show, show them that you're strong. That there's nothing to be worried about. That the it, that the Lord told us these days would come, and, and He's also told us that He's coming again, and, and that's 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 what that's what that's why it says, Brother Jeremy, will, will you read verse four to us as we close? Yeah, some Psalms, right? Yeah. It says, "This is what God thinks of all this." He that sitteth, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. All their plans, all their schemes, all their plots. They're going to be given a few days to go ahead and do what they want to do, according to the book of Revelation. It won't be longer than 42 months. It'll be a three-and-a-half-year period. But it's all coming down. And why? Amen. Can, can Amen. you read to us verse 6, Brother Jeremy? Why? Yes, because, yes, I have, I, have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Glory to God. They're coming, they're coming down because there's only one King of Kings and one Lord of Lords, and the Father has set Himself. Amen. That's the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Living God. And what is He going to do, Brother Jeremy? Could you read to that, read that to us in verse uh, uh, nine, ten, uh, nine through twelve? Just read the rest, of nine through twelve. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore. O ye kings, be instructed, yeah. ye judges Amen. of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice Amen. with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Hallelujah. Blessed are half. Yes. Some, no, all who put their trust in him. We don't have to fear, brothers and sisters. We serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is going to put this mess <laughs> out of the way. He's coming for us. He's coming for us. And, and we, have a, we have a king who owns this planet. And they're all, the yeah. heathen are raging. The people are imagining the vain thing. The rulers are set and counseling. We get all that stuff, man. But it's all coming down. And the reason we see it with such an intensity now is because it's all coming down. And, and the end is, is at hand. Whether that's, you know, several years from now or several months from now, no one knows. But we can know the times and the seasons. And the times and the seasons that we're living in, they are dictating to us that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But like the Lord said, when you see these things, begin to come to pass. He said, you lift up your head because your redemption is drawing nigh. Be safe tonight and in the coming days. If the Lord leads you and you haven't voted, go vote. 
do the right thing as the Lord leads. Hug your children, kiss your wife, whatever the situation may be. But above all, know that the Lord is at hand and he's coming for his children. And we thank God for that. Brother Jeremy. Amen. Everything we've spoken about, brothers and sisters, it's not just for today. But the repercussions are for time and eternity. That's what's at stake is your soul, your very soul what you're going to do for time and eternity. We pray the Lord bless you. We pray the Lord keep you. And as always, keep looking up.